Greetings in the name of Jesus, our soon returning King, and welcome to this episode of Christ in Prophecy. The final prophetic voice to America featured in Dr. David Reagan's book exploded on the national scene in 2011 following the publication of his blockbuster novel, The Harbinger. Even as a best-selling author, Jonathan Kahn continues to serve as the lead pastor or rabbi of Beth Israel, the largest Messianic congregation in the United States. I was blessed to connect with him at the Jerusalem Center. Beth Israel's headquarters in Wayne, New Jersey. Jonathan, I've been so looking forward to being with you here, and I'm grateful for you hosting us here at Beth Israel. It's great to have you. I'm usually in Texas with, with you, but I'm great to have you here well, in New we Jersey. I hope to have you in Texas, yeah. but I'm glad it worked out for me to come oh, to yeah. New Jersey today. So just to jump right in, some folks mm. may not realize that you grew up in a Messianic or excuse me, a Reformed Jewish household, not I Messianic, <laughs> but you drifted toward atheism at a young age. Thankfully, one of your classmates in the seventh grade challenged you to consider Jesus as the Messiah. And that initiated a journey that led to you at age 20 to embrace Jesus as both Lord and Savior. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I don't know if I would say drift. I kind of, it was kind of dramatic. I was, I was in Hebrew school, and one day I said, you know, the saying the Jewish people, we discovered one God. I said, well, how do we know there's one God? Maybe there's three. Maybe there's, I had no idea, and I never saw the rabbi saying, hey, God's, God moved on my life today. It, it, you know, it just wasn't there. So, uh, you know, so I saw the disconnect between what I saw in the Bible, God moving, and, and, and in the temple where it was the synagogue, it, it was kind of like something that had happened. So I became an atheist when I was about 12. I said, you know, atheism doesn't work. There's got to be a reason. There's got to be something. So I started seeking, reading every book on everything from UFOs to uh, Nostradamus to all these things. Um, and one day I picked up a book called The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey, which is all about the biblical prophecy uh, being fulfilled today. And that just blew me away. I had no idea. Started telling my friends. And anyway, long story short, I, I said, I don't want to accept you, God, because I don't want to join a monastery and my life is over if I follow you. <laughs> so I made a deal. Give me a long life and I'll, I'll accept you at the end of my life when I'm on my deathbed. So what happened was, when I was 19, I got hit by a locomotive train. I said, okay, Lord, you know, and then I made a deal. I said, okay, I'll accept you when I turn 20. And so just don't kill me until then. I went up a mountain on my 20th birthday, and on top of it, I kneeled down and received the Lord. Well, so today, as you look back and recount that journey to faith, and, and you consider yourself a Messianic believer, for those uh, Gentile yeah. Christians who don't understand what that means, would you still consider yourself Jewish or Christian? Uh, both. both. <laughs> you know, both. Well, what would Paul consider himself? You know, Jewish, I am a Jew from the tribe of Benjamin. You know, Jewish and a believer in Messiah. Or Messianic, me, is, Christian is the same word, really. Uh, Messianic, you know, Christ me, Christian means the follower of the Christ. Christ is a translation of Messiah. Yes. So Messianic means the same thing. So both. both. And, and it's, there's nothing more natural or, or fulfill, than being Jewish and following the Jewish Messiah. Well, here, here. <laughs> well, obviously, Jonathan, the Lord has had his hand on you, both as a leader and as a voice crying in the wilderness, especially in recent years. But in 1988, you were called to be a shepherd here mm -hmm. at Beth Israel. Mm -hmm. And at the time, it was a small 35-person mm -hmm. congregation. 
how has it grown to be one of the largest Messianic congregation in the world, indeed the largest Messianic congregation mm -hmm. here in the United States? How did that happen? Well, totally the hand of God. You know, I wasn't expecting this. I was helping out, you know, to start. I said, I'll help you guys out, you know, and then one day the guy who was leading it left and they said, okay, if you don't say yes, then we're closing it down. So I said, okay, Lord, uh, really just putting God, number one, putting God first, you know, in all Lord. things, you know, love, putting Jesus, focusing on him. And all of a sudden we started growing. The first year it tripled, you know, then we had to find, a, you know, a, a place. So, so really it's putting God first. And, you know, it's, there's, it's Jew and Gentile people from every background. Literally, if you were here, you know, without COVID, you'd see like United Nations of people. And because every Christian, your heritage is Jewish. You know, you're, you're, you're grafted in. We're all one. So just by putting him first and letting him lead, really, he just he just multiplied it. And we, then we get to a larger building, then a larger building. And here we are. And this is made like Jerusalem, by the way. If, you ha if you've been to Jerusalem, this is everything. Every stone is a reproduction of what's in Jerusalem. Yes, they told me that today. Even the way that the stones have been crafted was yeah. formed after yeah. a, a picture of the Jerusalem yeah. walls. I will observe this. When you first... Uh, made sort of a national launch to your ministry through the Harbinger. You wrote it as a novel, but it conveyed a significant message of ominous truth for America. Using a fictional story of a journalist who encounters a mysterious prophet, the Harbinger emphasized the sad reality that our nation has rejected God. And I'm going to quote what you wrote in that book. You said, it started with a spiritual complacency, then spiritual confusion, then the merging of God with idols, and then ultimately the rejection of his ways. Boy, Jonathan, the cancer that started perhaps, or you identified, mm. I should say, in 2011, seems to have metastasized here mm. in 2021. Why have we fallen so far? Well, the amazing thing, and, and for those who don't know the Harbinger, it is saying that it is it is opening up the fact that what we are experiencing now, we are replaying in is what the Bible gives as what happened to ancient Israel. Same thing. You know, we were founded, um, uh, America was founded for the purposes of God. So was Israel. I mean, obviously Israel is the chosen nation, but we're in the pattern. So the same way they fell is the same way we're falling. Uh, in our prosperity, we turned away just like they did. And at the beginning, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like it, it's subtle. You know, well, okay, we won't have prayer in school now. But look at where it goes. It always goes this way. So the thing is that once you turn away from God, you know, and, and, you, and you drive him, then you start driving him out. Other things come in. You open yes, the door, you know, other gods come in. And it, instead of just being a departure, it ends up right now more as a war against God. Wow. That's what happened to Israel, too. And we certainly have arrived at that place. Yeah. I have to tell you, even though The Harbinger was your first bestseller, we'll touch on some of the other ones. Mm -hmm. I'm an even bigger fan of the <laughs> Book of Mysteries. As a matter of fact, uh, my brother... Chris and my father, Larry, have, have given away hundreds of copies of the Book of Mysteries with this stipulation. To anyone who <laughs> receives a copy, they say, you have to read the book, and then you have to have a conversation with us about mm. Jesus Christ. So I'm just curious, what mm. other testimonies have you heard from people regarding the impact of all the books you've written in their lives? Um, we get reports, you know, we got reports through the years continuously of people getting saved. Number one, people who have fallen away. They're, whoa, whoa, I better, I better get back. Um, people starting movements, prayer movements, you know, uh, for repentance around the nation. So uh, that's what it's all about. So salvations, repentance, you know, um, and, and prayer and prayer for the nation. Amen, amen. Well, obviously the Harbinger focused on a wake-up call that God sent our way on 9-11. And since then, you've also written The Oracle and The Harbinger 2, something we talked about in another taping, another mm -hmm. show that we presented. And those used a similar genre or motif, where you had a fictionalized account of a young man interacting with a mysterious prophet or an oracle to communicate significant truths. 
So what additional warnings or wake-up calls has God sent to our nation since that first Harbinger book? Well, it hasn't stopped, and, and that's why I wrote The Harbinger, too, because it does not stop. You know, because America's departure from God has not stopped. You know, we're, unfortunately, it's not only the signs of The Harbingers that have appeared. And basically, The Harbinger is that these same signs of warning that God gave that appeared in the last days of ancient Israel have now reappeared on American soil, I mean, exact uh, precision, I mean, eerily precision. So that's happened, but it's not just the signs. America itself is, is falling away, at, is following the pattern of ancient Israel in its departure. So all that's happened, and um, so much happened that I, I knew I was gonna write a sequel, but I held off for years. I said, I, you know, I know this is gonna be hard because it keeps, it keeps going. And finally, when I was praying in 2019, I said, Lord, what do you want me to write? You know, I wish for what's the next thing? And it was the Harbinger too. I mean, and it was that this year I had a very strong sense, and I shared it right here, that this year was going to be a year, 2020 was going to be a year of sh great shaking beginning, and it was going to be the continuation of the harbinger, of the mystery there. So I had to write it to come out in 2020. I had to write it because I had to give the warning, so it has continued, and, and that's one of the things I open up in the harbinger, too. Well, I'll tell you what, even the timing of your books has been uh, from God, because I don't think anyone could have foretold mm. the exact nature of the way the books came out, and they were so foreshadowing of the events that would take place yeah. even here in recent yeah. months in our own nation. Uh, you know, speaking of that, we are in the aftermath of a, a presidential election and all the trauma that was experienced even at the beginning of 2021. Some Christians get caught up in the political dynamic that, quite frankly, is traumatizing mm -hmm. our country with a never-ending focus on Washington, D.C. Your books have focused on New York City both as a gate of America, mm -hmm. where so many immigrants came in, but also as the prophetic location, both of its covenantal founding and of the warning of 9-11 itself. So what other signs do you see that America today is turning its back on God? I could quote from another passage where mm -hmm. you say that the, uh, the nation itself has ex expressed a sensuality, a greed, for money, success, comfort, materialism, pleasure, sexual immorality, self-worship, and self-obsession. And some would argue that kind of uh, sums up New York in a sense. Hmm. But what kind of signs have you seen just in recent years that all those things are demonstrating we are turning even further away from God or is it accelerating very yeah, sadly? Yeah, well, well, one is if you look at the, the younger generation and look at their statistics, I mean, it's scary. I mean, it as is. far as from God, that's the future unless things change. The other is that, it's, you know, the, the Bible says, woe who though, to those who call evil good and good evil. So we're, we saw the evil good, you're calling sin good and you're getting, you're getting you know, we, we've gotten more down the line of calling perversion good and all this. And so, but the other side is, Every step you take or a nation takes to call evil good is matched by another state, another stage where the the nation calls what is good evil. So now what we're watching increasingly is calling Christians evil, uh, marginalizing them, now shutting down speech, censoring them. I mean, this is the next stage. You know, it started when we were there. It's like, oh, oh you know, tolerance, be tolerant, open-minded. That was only a way to get in. You know, that happened with ancient Israel when you know, hey, worship Baal. It's you know, be open, open-minded. But then in the end, you got to bow your knee to bail. That's where we are now. And, and the cancel culture that, yeah. as you say, just literally shuts Christians down, and our voices oftentimes are not heard. And sometimes uh, we need to be tactful and loving in how we present. 
but we need to speak truth. Need to be I, I will observe, uh, even in your book, The Oracle, I loved how toward the end of that book, you cite Charles Dickens, at least uh, the line that he used as the opening of A Tale of Two Cities. And you say that we've entered the best of times and the worst of times. Hmm. Some people witness the drama and mm -hmm. trauma that we've already referenced here in our nation and our national discourse, and they see only bad. What did you mean by that statement? We are entering yeah. the best of times and the worst of times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people, when they look at the end times, they think only of, okay, it's, you know, destruction and evil. And there it is. The love of many shall grow evil. It's all that we know, that apostasy. We're watching it every day. But that's not the only thing. It says the gospels will be preached to all nations. It says the spirit will be poured out. So what happens is it's not just dark, it's polarization. The grays start disappearing. And the the dark gets darker, but the lights start to get brighter. And so you, in, in many ways, it's like a return. The oracle, oracle goes into, it's a return to the beginning. Because in the book of Acts, you have the book of Acts, that was not a Christian culture. They had a pagan culture, that an anti-Christian culture, yet you had the greatest light. So as the dark gets darker, the lights are brought out. Out even more. So this is the time for God's people to rise to greatness. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because in the oracle, the oracle himself, the, uh, the mysterious prophetic figure offers this word of clarity. I love this line that you wrote. The times when gray disappears, when the yeah. dark grows darker and the light shines all the brighter. And for those who choose to shine, mm. it is the time of greatness. So that yes. really is the challenge for our viewers today, mm -hmm. for all Christians to shine in this moment of darkness and not to yes. be overwhelmed by the yes. darkness or driven to despair. Yes. Yes. Oh, oh, ab absolutely. And when you look, you know, people are praying, I wish I could live in biblical times. I wish. Well, congratulations. You're in biblical times now. This is like, listen, the time of Paul was like that. The time of Jeremiah was like that. The time of Elijah was like that. Hey, we sing these are the days of Elijah. Well, it wasn't just Elijah. It was dealing with Ahab and Jezebel and the cancel culture back then. So, but it's the, it's the chance for us to become great. You're not, most of the time when things are, hey, everything is good. You're not going to see a lot of greatness, but now you have the chance to be great. Oh, that's a great analogy, even with Ahab and Jezebel, because Jezebel wanted, quite frankly, to cancel the That's prophet right. Elijah. Elijah, and Elijah at one moment felt a, a little right. bit of despair, but That's the Lord right. said, hey, there are still 7,000 who have not bent their knee to That's Baal, right. and so you're not alone, and That's neither right. are we, even in times like this. Well, uh, I remind folks that, amazingly, you were invited to speak not once but twice at inaugural prayer breakfast in 2013 and 2017. And those lacking a prophetic voice would have delivered a message of peace, peace, even in days like that. But you did not shrink from telling it like it is. As a matter of fact, America, like ancient Israel, you said, has been blessed beyond measure. But because we, too, are following of the, the decline of Israel by turning away from God, we are on the verge of suffering the same fate, judgment and destruction. You concluded your first message with this stark warning. The time is late. The hour is critical. A nation, a great nation, proceeds in rapid descent, and the signs of warning and judgment are manifesting in the land. The shadow of judgment is upon us. And again, I would remind our viewers that just like in ancient Israel and Judah, there were some people who were faithful, a remnant. And today, we must be faithful in spite of circumstances, but the fate of our nation does seem to be sealed. So, how soon do you, Jonathan, think that this ultimate judgment will fall on America, or will we just continue to decline 
maybe at an accelerating pace. Yeah, well, one, one of the, the templates of the Harbinger is that there comes a warning, you know, this strike on the land, which happened, which is 9-11 for us, yes. and it's always an enemy strike in the, in the Bible. Then comes a window of time that the nation has given. And then if it doesn't turn back, the shakings start coming, greater and greater shakings. Well, we're watching that. I mean, one of the mysteries, you know, is is even the timing of the shaking, uh, like this, the, like 2020, as we went into 2021, um, is, is a point. We've never seen anything like this. So I believe the shakings are going to continue. Um, and either Ameri and America right now is, you know, the, the mainstream culture is apostatizing still from God. So without revival, I believe we're heading to judgment. God's in charge of the timing, you know, but we are in charge of the witness here. Do you have any uh, foreshadowings of what you think will happen, not just politically, but America for the last few years has been supportive, for instance, of Israel. It is likely that we will turn away from that kind of a foreign policy. Uh, and we'll probably ingratiate ourselves with some bad actors around the world. But whether at home or abroad, do you see anything happening in these next handful of years, uh, even given some of the changes politically in our nation? I think if, I mean, two things. I mean, one is, you know, it's right. As much as America has blessed, Israel has been blessed. If we turn away, you're going to see the blessings removed. That's number one. Number two, if we, as we turn away from God, so he's watching the mainstream culture without, it, it is turning one step to, and trying to silence the gospel. So yes. if we keep doing that, listen, it's clear that the, the end is clear. It's going to lead to sh specific shakings. Actually, in the, in the harbinger itself, there's a chapter called things to come. We're in it now about the, the kinds of shakings that are coming. So it's either going to keep on shaking till till destruction or it can come even more suddenly than that. But we are heading on that path. I remind people when I speak that uh, there were great nations in the past. We think of Rome and how quickly it fell. But there have been other great nations, the, the United Kingdom, Great Britain, which mm -hmm. had a worldwide yep. empire and over the course of the last century has fallen from that preeminence. Other economic powerhouses like Venice, little island nation uh, there in the Adriatic that is no longer a powerhouse because economically they were surpassed. And the United States, given our military and financial might, we could still fall very suddenly relative to history. Oh, yeah. And and interesting, some of those nations like the United Kingdom, you take the Spanish Empire. Uh, the moment as they turned away they t from from blessing the Jewish people yes. and turned to cursing them, guess what happened? And so and so I mean it's like clockwork since the days of Pharaoh to America. It's amazing. So we have both dangers: falling away from God and falling away from Israel. Amen. Well, let's turn to one very hopeful sign. Your fictional prophet in the Harbinger One and Two, who some would see as a personification of Jesus Christ Himself, warned over and over again that the only hope for America is a return to God. The oracle made clear that Jesus Christ is God's avenue for eternal hope through salvation. In September of 2020, you organized a tremendous national campaign. I mentioned it in our opening called The Return that culminated in a solemn assembly in Washington, D.C., right there on the National Mall, and an appeal for individual and collective atonement. How was The Return received, and what can you report about its impact on the nation, and on individual lives. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've had a burden since the Harbinger, and then, I, then, and then especially, also had a burden long before that 2020 was going to be a dramatic year of shaking. So, therefore, it all converged, and with other people, to to put up the return. The return is because the only hope for America is to return to God. So that's what it was. That's what's calling before the Lord. If my people are called by my name, well, well, millions of people partook in it. I mean, around the around America and around the world. I mean, millions. We were so. Um, and so, and the thing is that we we the thing is that. Uh, 
you know, look at what happened afterwards, the, you know, with the election and all those things, the shaking. So I believe this was a chance, and this still isn't a, the Lord heard the prayer. But, but at the same time, we can't make the mainstream culture change unless, unless they repent, unless there's turning. But for God's people, we can. So again, I think for God's people, it was a strengthening, and, and we, we open it to God for revival. And listen, revival can come easy or can come hard. It can come through good things or it can come through shakings. So we did what we needed to do, and God, and God heard the prayer. And, you know, the impact was amazing, and I believe it was just before we are moving into all this, the, the shakings. Well, obviously, and whether we return as a nation or whether they're individual lives, yeah. salvation comes to individuals. That's right. And so as individuals repent, as they turn back to God, return to Him uh, individually, over time, a collective group can make a difference, and we individually are called to make a difference in our own world. Well, I'll tell you this, Jonathan. One of the things that impresses me most about you is your unflappable clarity. What I mean by that is, like the prophets of old, you have a blunt and unvarnished warning or willingness to share warnings about what is happening. And that's incited a host of critics, just as often probably within the church as outside, you might yet tell us. But you have not allowed the naysayers to distract you or dissuade you. You've continued to speak biblical truth to a nation and to people who no longer discern that there is truth. And yet, even as you've done so, you've done it with love and humility and humor. How? How do you do that? <laughs> oh, boy. Well, one thing is I know, I, you know, I know I have to be looking at God and not man. You know, I, I, you know, people sometimes said, well, how can you do that? You were speaking in front of, in front of leaders of Congress and you said those things. Aren't you afraid? I said, I'm more afraid of him than I am of them. <laughs> you know, so well, secondly, the other thing is this, you know, I know I, the thing is that I, I know I have much to be humble about. And so the more that he's, you know, given to do, the more it humbles me. I don't want to mess it up. And so the only thing is, listen, I know I can't look at, we can't live reality acting to people. We have to live responding to God. And as long as we do that, you know, everything's everything's right. Everything is right. Well, well, I love the word you used a moment ago, converging. Uh, things converged in 2020. We who speak about Bible prophecy talk about the fact that all the signs are converging in our day and age. You know, we are living mm. in biblical times, mm. as you just mentioned, but the world is growing darker by mm -hmm. the day. I've long applied the parable of the 10 virgins uh, but I try to put the focus back on the bridegroom instead of the virgins. Mm -hmm. We're the virgins. Hopefully we're wise and keep our lamps full of oil. But the bridegroom represents Jesus himself. So in that parable, the Lord said, but at midnight there was a shout, behold, the bridegroom come out to meet him. And I think that we, to mix our prophetic and uh, perhaps uh, metaphoric foreshadowings, are living in a world that will grow darker day by day until the moment God says, let there be light. When he tells his son, go and get your bride, and, and light shines in that darkness again. How do you shift from messages of impending judgment and doom to the gospel of hope that you share here at Beth Israel? Well, it goes together because, you know, the gospel is a message that there's judgment, but now there's hope. You know, without that, how can you understand the cross or Messiah? So it all goes together. Um, and it's all has, there's a good ending for those who come, you know. So it's really what the gospel is, is that is that we're saying, be saved, come. And, you know, we're talking about, you know, the, the world without God, you're heading to a funeral. With God, you're heading to a wedding. Uh -huh. You know, so we're heading to a wedding. And, and it's all about the hope. That's the whole point. So the darkness uh, is just magnifying the fact that we have the light. So John the Baptist asked the, uh, the Pharisees of his day and age, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? So part of your role has been warning people to yeah. flee yeah. from the wrath to come, but yeah. into the loving arms of our That's Savior. Right. 
Yeah, it's all about that. And when you look at the prophets and look what they say, you see that you see the groan and you see that, but you'll see the glory. It always leads to, hey, come, return, return. The Lord is, my arms are open. Come, be saved. That's what our whole faith's about. The father waiting for that, yeah. that prodigal to yeah. return to him. Well, Jonathan, how can people get in touch with your ministry or to follow what you are teaching and sharing on a weekly basis, ongoingly here at Beth Israel? How can sure. they follow you as you offer insight and leadership to the bride of Christ. Well, thank you. Yeah, the well, the, the the outreach ministry that I lead is called Hope of the World. So, and it brings the gospel of the world, and but also all my messages and prophetic things. We give updates. So, Hope of the World. If you just remember that, hopeoftheworld.org is that. Also on Facebook, it's Jonathan Khan, where we stay in touch with everybody. And the books are everywhere. Literally on, you know, from Amazon to Walmart, they're every. The, all the books are everywhere. Wow. Well, I have been blessed not only by the books themselves, uh, they have been a tremendous impact on me and my family and so many others. Uh, I've been very grateful again for your personal friendship. Oh, and so I'm glad you invited me oh. to come to New Jersey today uh, to Beth Israel here <laughs> yeah. at the Jerusalem Center. It is a beautiful place where you, you are impacting lives, not only here close to New York City in yeah. New Jersey, but again, all around the world. So God, oh, God bless all that you are about. Thank you. To, and, and come again. <laughs> we'll leave the light on. Welcome back to our Lamb and Lion Ministries studio near McKinney, Texas. I'm joined by our internet evangelist, Nathan Jones. And Nathan, I'm glad to have you back on today. It's great to be on. Well, it was also great to be with Jonathan Kahn at his headquarters at the Jerusalem Center, or what he calls Beth Israel in Wayne, New Jersey. And he certainly is right that God is giving us a chance right now to return to Him, both as a nation and as individuals. As a matter of fact, during the 2020 election, he actually held an event called The Return, if you've seen it, in Washington, D.C. at the mall, calling America to repent and turn to Jesus Christ. Franklin Graham, another prophetic voice, was on the other side of the mall. He was doing the same thing. We all repented. We all prayed. But the Lord didn't answer as we hoped, but He sets up kings, so we know it's in His hands. It always is. You know, Dr. Reagan had such a, a vision of bringing together in his book, God's Prophetic Voices, this list of folks that God has raised up to pro proclaim truth even in our day and age, calling America to return to Him and to stop running away from God. And so whether it's those who have already passed from Peter Marshall, David Wilkerson, Francis Schaeffer, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, or all the others that we've been privileged to interview even on this show, we're glad to have brought you eight different individuals who have been a prophetic voice to America. And of course, Jonathan Kahn has a unique gift. And Jonathan has been a guest on Christ and Prophecy several times over the years. We always appreciate his unique gift of communicating beautiful truths of Scripture from his understanding of Jewish culture and Hebrew. If you'd like to receive a copy of either of the fantastic books we discussed today, The Oracle or The Harbinger 2, just call us on the number on our screen or visit our website. Each book is available for a donation of $25 or more, and that includes shipping. I know you'll be encouraged by Jonathan's insights. Yes, you will. And as a matter of fact, if you also are interested in the series that we presented, eight so far, when we complete this series with a total of 10 episodes focused on God's prophetic voices, we will have a DVD set that's available. So for a gift of only $25 or more, we'll be glad to send it to you as soon as the series concludes. Well, we are getting near the end of this series. Uh -huh. I always thought Dr. Reagan's book was missing a few names. I'm glad you picked up a few of those names. Can you give us a tease as who's well, next week's 
prophetic voices. I, I agree with you, Nathan. If the Lord stays His coming, I absolutely believe that He will continue to raise up other prophetic voices, calling America, calling individuals to return to Him and to embrace our Savior. So next week, we're going to have a fantastic Jewish Christian who is Messianic, but who has been proclaiming that very message, a message of reformation, of repentance, and of revival, if you will, within the church. And so Dr. Michael Brown will be our guest next week, and I sure enjoyed sitting down with him. We don't agree on everything any more than we would with the rest of our prophetic voices, but he has had a gift for speaking those truths to our culture. Oh, absolutely. I've been following Michael Brown's articles for years. He's calling the nation to repent, just like Jonathan Kahn did. Okay, that's next week's. What's about the final one? All right, the final week. Well, we have a real surprise in store for you. We're going to have a mystery guest, and I'm not going to tell you who it is right now, but it's another person raised up to proclaim a prophetic truth into our culture and age. So you won't want to miss episode number 10 in this series on God's prophetic voices. And if you look at the outline, you can kind of get an idea oh, who that might don't, be. Oh, don't give them too many clues. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed this program. I hope you'll join us next week. Until then, this is Tim Moore and Nathan Jones saying, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.